I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity, auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. I'm joined today by Eric Wild and my co-host, Adam Duvander. Eric is quite the prolific author over the last, sheesh, probably 20 years, as well as all the different kind of cool jobs that he's had getting to meet lots of people building APIs. So Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself. I guess give us the highlights version or we'll eat up the whole episode. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on the show. It's great to, to be here, I think. That's what you say. <laughs> well, what am I doing? I, I'm working for Xway now, software company and a small team called The Catalysts. It's a little similar to the role I had before in the API Academy. What we're doing basically is, the way I put it always is we're, we're helping companies to do the right thing and then we're helping them to do it right. And I'm mostly invested on doing the right thing because typically what we see a lot is companies are trying to do the thing right, but they're not doing the right things and then they get disappointed and they, they think that there's something wrong with APIs and there often is like, it takes a little while to, to tell them, you know, there's different ways how you can do APIs. Some work better and others work not so great. So that's how I spend kind of most of my time, I would say. All right. And Adam, as your today's co-host, tell us a little bit about yourself as well. Yeah, I work with every developer and work with API companies to engage developers. And Eric, you and I have been at the same conferences many times. Of course, yes. these days now to see each other, we have to do something like this. So I'm excited to, to get a chance to chat with you today. Yes, the world was different a while ago, but this is where we are now. Like, at least it's still exciting because we always see different streaming tools that we work with. So that's <laughs> our new excitement. Our uh, video conferencing tech quality has definitely stepped up to meet the needs. <laughs> I think the first interesting thing that you've been kind of working on that I'd love to sort of call out and hear a little bit about your experience and, and what you've learned from it is a YouTube channel, Getting APIs to Work, which I think as we kind of learned about you here a little bit, it was like cool to see that there's something in common that you're doing and sharing with community. But, you know, what are the kind of between, let's say, the YouTube channel and Axway where you're just constantly exposed to all these different things? Like what stands out to you as kind of where things are going? And I know we're supposed to start with what we, where we're at now and then go to where we're going, but I'm going to do it backwards for fun. I think what we're seeing now is that to some extent, I, 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 don't, I want it to sound negative, but APIs are a little bit almost like collapsing under their own success in the sense that, you know, more and more things become digital. So we get more and more APIs and we get more and more opportunities of what we can and could and want to do with APIs and organizations get more and more excited about the potential. And on the other hand, of course, this also contributes to complexity and then the question of what do we do with all the APIs and what are good APIs, what are bad APIs, how do we make it easy to find and consume APIs. And I think that that is the, for me, that has been the interesting kind of thrust in the API space over the last couple of years that it's constantly growing and like people understand more and more how important APIs are. But it's also because of the success, it also becomes a little bit more demanding, I would say, to manage them well and to do the right thing. And that's, I think, where there still is a lot of, a lot of stuff to be learned. 
And I mean, we're all learning the whole time, right? I think that's always the, the privilege of having the job that I have is that I get to talk to so many organizations and you can consume so much information that others are giving you. But I think that's kind of the, the general trajectory that we're going. It's like, how do we scale this practice better and better and better? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think the three of us being somewhat gray beards in the industry, if, if you had a, a beard, Eric. It would be gray. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I think back 20 years or so to kind of what SOAP turned into. And granted, that started as a sort of industry consortium thing. So it started the wrong way and ended the wrong way far more quickly. <laughs> but, but, but I wonder, you know, is this sort of big company industry involvement, these consortium group kind of things going on? You know, when you talk about that weight, are we seeing that like REST APIs as a format is collapsing under that kind of weight and that other formats are kind of on their way up? I wouldn't say they're collapsing under their own weight. I think what you see is that there are some challengers coming up, right? Like I would say the first very visible one maybe was GraphQL, where people said, well, REST has some challenges in terms of granularity and chattiness and these kind of things. So, so GraphQL got a big boost out of that. And then more recently, what we see a lot is um, event-based APIs, right? A completely different kind of interaction pattern where in some scenarios it makes sense to maybe use it that way and not the old request response kind of way. But I don't think really that this is kind of a general challenge for REST. I think it's more that we learn that an API is kind of a very abstract thing and there's different ways how you can do it. You can do it in REST, you can do it in, in GraphQL, you can do it in event-based. And I think what becomes more important is that we understand that all of these are different tools and it's important to pick the right tool for the right job. I would just hope that over time, we as a community get a little bit away from, you know, always jumping on the next thing and say, oh, now we do everything with this, right? We throw away what we had so far and now we do everything with GraphQL because it's so great. Instead of saying, well, it's a new tool. For some things, it's good. For others, maybe not so much. So let's build things so that we always have this openness. That has been like my big mission over the last many years, right? It's like never build something just betting on one horse and saying, this is the only true way to do it. Yeah. Actually, that was the fun discussion we had, you know, when I had like this little consultancy that was called Good API for a little while because before I joined X-Way, we almost discussed it would have been nice to call it Good Enough API. Right? It's like, <laughs> you know, the important thing is that it's good enough you do the job that you need to, to do, and then you move on and do the next one, right? Don't get into these religious wars over, this is the best way to do it. Some of the standardization then that's going on, I think that's kind of what you were getting at, Jason, is are people going to the, the new thing because it's the new thing or because it has sort of less of those strings attached? I guess maybe how, how much is it one or the other? I mean, what I find really interesting is that on my YouTube channel, you know, because you mentioned it, like my best performing video, which, um, you know, Micah, my, my good friend, Micah Munson, he said, you know, it's slightly trolley. I like that. It's the, the rest versus GraphQL thingy, right? Where it's like, this is not, this is almost not even interesting, but it's something that like so many people are discussing and they hear about, right? So this is what like people are just looking for information about that, whereas to me, it seems like there's so many more interesting things to talk about, but I think it's still the kind of culture of trying to do the next or look for the next shiny thing. And, you know, it's interesting. So why not? Yeah, I, I guess another gray beard perspective on that one is uh, when I think about things like RDF and Sparkle, right? We had this kind of magic message 
that, uh, you know, we'd be able to just query the semantic web and find everything. And then we found out that serendipitous querying is expensive and unpredictable. And that kind of fell down under its own weight and became used in certain cases, but not, it wasn't really going to scale beyond that. And I certainly think that the lessons learned in a lot of GraphQL implementations are just that. And so it's not really a new lesson. It's a rediscovered lesson, like most things in kind of distributed computing, right? You can just look back 20 years and someone probably screwed up the same way. Yes, it, it would be interesting to actually identify those things where this is not the case. I think these would be really hard to find. I'd seen that in uh, an article you did for API Friends, you mentioned something about that it's critically important that we think about API consumption as part of our strategy. And that sort of implicates that developers are doing something wrong. So what do you think it is that people are sort of doing wrong when they go about building APIs and not thinking about the consumption? I think in many cases, APIs are still looked at from, I would say, too technical perspective as like exposing kind of an implementation almost. I think most people probably have learned by now that you maybe shouldn't. There was just this recent tweet, right? Like, publish your web API from your database in 30 seconds. It's <laughs> like, yeah, maybe you can do that, but maybe you should. But even if you don't take it to that extreme, right? It's, I think it's still something where in a lot of these cases, people, they don't think enough through where the value of API lies, right? And I think the value really is, I mean, it's in many, like many different facets, but like one of the completely defining factors is in consumption, right? Like if, if your API isn't consumed, nothing else matters, right? It may be the best API in the world, the most pretty, whatever, right? It doesn't matter. So consumption is everything at that point. And whenever you think about like building things that need to be consumed, you need to think about the consumer. Otherwise you're probably forgetting something. I think that in many cases still is something where we have to learn a lot also in the tooling space, right? When you look at like the portals and then whatever you call these things, marketplaces, they, they are very technical often, right? They still are very much focused on a technical crowd of consumers, which is, of course, immediately thinking that's correct because it, these are the developers, right? And we all obsessed about developer experience. And, and that's, of course, it's important that developers can work with the API, but in the end, it's also important that you can find it, that you know which APIs exist in your company, even if you are not a developer, that you know what you can build on so that you have a good grasp of what are kind of the low-hanging fruit maybe that we can look at if we try to improve our product, right? So, and I think all of these things are very much in the not technical space, talking about capabilities and what does this API eventually do for the end user. And I think we're still, like in the same way, I think as we have overdone it with developer experience for the last couple of years, I think we could maybe use overdoing it with, you know, looking beyond the developer and at the actual value and the business reason for APIs and, and focus on that for a while. And I think that would also help to have a more valuable way of how APIs are being used. I often say that a little bit of old school product management goes a long way in building a good API. <laughs> that was something at Zapier that we saw seeing thousands of APIs, how many of them actually didn't think about the way their users would use them eventually, right? It might be thinking about how the developer might consume it. But of course, at some point, that developer has to think about the end use case that someone's going to use and whether it actually supports it. So in all the, the organizations, Eric, that you work with, 
what is the best way you've seen to be able to allow that viewpoint to get into the API design where it's a spot where someone can actually make that change? That's a very good question. I, I would say I haven't really seen something that you know completely convinced me where I said, everybody should be doing this. I talk to more and more organizations that become, I would say, in their everyday operations, they become a little bit disillusioned with APIs because they do see that, yeah, we have so many, but we also have a lot of problems managing them. So what's up with that? But it's not that they're fundamentally questioning um, the value of APIs. I think they understand that, yes, if you want to do IT stuff, well, you got to use APIs somewhere. But I think they are questioning kind of a little bit of that technical focus. I think we are seeing a little bit more of focus on value and, you know, just kind of beyond the developer. Like, what does it do for the business? What's the value proposition? Mm -hmm. And you see more and more companies that are specifically looking at that level of description for APIs. And I would hope that we would also see more and more products that make that part of what you need to talk about when you talk about an API, like what's the business value. And the other thing that I would like to see, and I think that like there, I think there's so much potential, is in organizations basically establishing this kind of API literacy. And it's probably a bad term to use API. I, I so regret that we're all talking about APIs because everybody's <laughs> eyes always glaze over when you talk about APIs. It would be so much nicer if we had a better term, but I that ship has probably sailed. But like this fundamental understanding of like, what does an API do? It allows two machines, two programs to talk to each other and they can get stuff done. But understanding that fundamental value proposition and what it means and that you need to think of what you're doing in that mindset and think about, you know, if I'm building a new capability, how do I expose that so that this then can be used by others, right? Establishing that literacy in organizations for the non-technical roles, I think that will make a big change. And I've seen more and more organizations that try to do that. I think we don't really have kind of a good framework maybe for this now. So Jason, I think what you said, right, is I love that. And I'm actually, I'm working on that a little bit in terms of, you know, it's like good old product management, right? The four Ps or the seven Ps, whatever. Just go through those and explain, you know, how do APIs play into this? And I think this already would take a lot of people a little bit more into the mindset of, yes, if I'm managing a product and I'm not thinking about the API aspect of it, I haven't done my job. It's like I'm, I'm not managing the digital aspect of the product. And today that probably is an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, the unfortunate reality is that at least in what I've seen quite a bit, I'm curious to see what you've seen, is that when product managers think about APIs, it's a checklist of implementation tasks that need to be done for some other feature. And that the actual sort of requirements from the product side don't actually contain much of anything other than this has to have an API because I was told those are important. <laughs> okay, let's hope, well, let's hope somebody figures out how to get it a little bit further than that. Like another thing I find funny, right, is when people ask, like, shouldn't we really strive for the best API for each other thing? And it's like, no, like I said before, right? No, it needs to be a good enough API. Mostly, I hope you have a good product. If you don't have a good product, nothing else matters, right? Like the best API on the world, in the world, on top of a terrible product doesn't really help much, right? So, so I think, you know, it doesn't take that much 
so to speak, right? You just need to understand that, yes, it doesn't need to be a perfect API, but it, there needs to be an API that exposes what you're doing in a usable way. And I think that threshold sometimes is maybe not so high, but yeah, it hopefully is a little higher than just like, yeah, some ape just generated from the database. That's good enough. You know? <laughs> right. I think the API thinking and product world is much more about how can you describe what you need in a way that does not require a user experience. That's like the starting point to me is rather than, you know, giving some visual mock-up or, you know, this button needs to do that. It's like boil it down into more fundamental concepts. And now we have some raw materials with which we can design something headless that would work in a variety of different user experiences or with other headless applications, right? Yeah, the headless, right, that's perfect. So a couple of years ago, I had this idea of API maps. Basically, it should be the same as a site map, right? Where explain to me if I need to get something done, how I can get it done with your API, right? In the same way as you maybe still do that, you walk people through your sitemap and you say, you know, you come here, you find this in the menu, you click this, blah, 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 right? So, and I think if you go in the same way through, well, how does a machine do that in my API, right? And if that, if that's a simple story that you can tell without you know, having to go through too many steps or making it too complicated or having all kinds of weird knowledge that you need to get this done, I think you're already quite quite a bit along the way so that you can, you know, you have this kind of headless explanation that you can say, if like, if you're a machine, this is how you can get it done. And I think that kind of perspective is something that we still, we should work on that more, I think. We, we don't spend enough time with that. Do you think that that has to do with the people who are in the in the room as the API is built. We've talked about developers, love developers, but they're not always going to have that complete picture of what that map should look like, right? Are there, thinking of organizations that you've seen be successful, who have you seen pulled into that conversation? So what we do now, when, when we actually not just talk to organizations, but we actually walk like what we call the API journey. We go through it with them. What we do is we do stakeholder mapping exercises. We do design exercises. We do API mocks. And these are very consciously left at a level where even if you're not a developer, you can still kind of follow the general thrust of the conversation because oftentimes it's not so complicated what's going on, right? There's a little bit of back and forth of like, do this, then do that. If that happens, do this. If that happens, do that. And that is something where like everybody basically can be part of the conversation, even the people who eventually you want to build products on top of it, interfaces on top of it. And they, and they can very directly give you feedback on, yeah, that kind of sounds good. You know, that seems like we can get this done with relatively few interactions. Or whether it's something where it seems like the, the level of explanations you have to go through, you know, like fetch this from this database and then compare it to this in that database and make sure it's not over there in that database, right? If, if that's the explanations you have to do, then clearly, right, there's probably not the, the best level. So, so I think just in... Involving those partners who are actually users of your API and not, not the developers, right? <laughs> not the developer users, but the actual people who need to deliver value based on your API, right? They build products with your API as one ingredient, one building block of how they build products. Mm -hmm. And if they say, yeah, that seems like we probably can get our stuff done 
with your stuff as a useful building block, then you're probably in a good space. You need to find those people, right? And that sometimes is, in particular, in large organizations, there is a really big organizational and cultural hurdle to that where like, there's really this culture of, you know, it's like developers are over there, right, in that cage, and the business people are <laughs> in the other cage, and uh, they never talk. That is a hurdle that sometimes is really hard to overcome. So someone's got to find the keys to those cages. We try. It's, um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I joke that, you know, from what I've seen so far, it, like from my perspective, it looks like job security. It seems, to, it seems to be something you can probably do for the next 10 years. And that's, I think, in part that, and that is such a fascinating conversation, and I probably shouldn't talk about this for too long, but I think this is still, you know, we, we come from this mindset of very early on, and, and Gregor Hoppe has this wonderful post that I absolutely love, where, where he says that, in these old organizations, right, IT was basically just kind of accounting, right? Just like these people who automate processes and we can literally just keep them somewhere in the basement and they just get stuff done and make sure we can do it a little bit cheaper and quicker. Like in a lot of organizations, you still have this very traditional mindset of IT is just automating stuff that needs to get done. And we don't really need to talk to them. We just occasionally we show them the forms we use and then they computerize that. And, and I think it's so hard for organizations to get out of this rut to really understand that if you really want to get value out of these things, right, you really need to make these people part of the conversation and you need to work on things together. And, and that, I think, in some organizations, they are closer to this. Other organizations still are pretty far away from that. And then I think that's really, it's just, there's so much organizational memory of how things used to work and so much momentum, you know, to just keep the things going how they have been going for the last 30 years. <laughs> so yeah, it takes a while to find those keys and actually make it work. The thing that we do that feels normal is not often the right thing to do, right? It's just because we've always done it that way. Like actually, I was just sharing the, uh, the Grace Hopper quote, which I'll probably butcher here, but it's like, that's the way things have always been done here is the greatest animated progress, right? <laughs> so definitely a thing. Interestingly, though, I think across a lot of the things that you've talked about, what you're really describing this, is this process of design. And much like in the, the UX world where 20 years ago, this sort of revolution happened of, hey, we've got an experience to manage here and that we have to have an empathetic viewpoint and use data to understand what works best. I feel like we're going through the same revolution in understanding not what works best for machine-to-machine -machine communication, but for the humans to actually connect those machines. So this design process, when people say developer experience, they quite often mean their developer portal. And, you know, I think it is something bigger. So I'm curious, you mentioned developer experience a few times in there. What does that, you know, look like for you in this kind of design process? How is that different than maybe the way people are thinking of it? Well, I mean, developer experience is important. I need to create APIs that are effective to use for developers. It's not really magical. It's not that hard to do. I think there's certain patterns that we all know, and there's maybe, you know, there's really, it's like, okay, you know, if you do this kind of thing, maybe do it in GraphQL. If you do that kind of thing, maybe do it in REST. If that kind of thing, maybe event-based APIs work better. It's like, I don't know. It's not... There's no, I think there's no need to get super excited about those things. There, I think it's kind of like craftsmanship at some point. There's 
certain patterns and then after a while you know them and then you can apply them and you end up with something that again right is good enough but then in the end i think right like you said i mean the important thing then is to really think through is like what are we now doing with that like what what are we enabling to be built with that because if just the api has a good enough developer experience that doesn't really mean that it allows you to build valuable things with it right it doesn't really mean it exposes things that in the end, really interesting for end users so that they will benefit from it, they will use it, they will like it, they will drive traffic. So I think in the end, the much more important part there is to think, first think through what is it even that I'm enabling here? And not first thinking like, how do I enable it in the right way? But first, like, what is it even that I'm enabling here, right? It's like what I said in the very beginning, right? It's like, First, you have to think about what is the right thing to do, and then you have to do it right. And that part of what is the right thing to do, that is something where, in particular in our work, because we also, as, as a software company, we often work with more people from the tech side of the organization. And they always just, they want to jump into the technical design, right? Like, oh, let's discuss whether it should, this should be a get or a post, right? And it's like, no, let's first... <laughs> Let's first talk about what is this thing even doing, right? What, why would somebody use it? What does it actually allow them to do? So this kind of really like the end user experience, right? The customer experience. I think that is that would be something where I would like to see that. I don't know whether customer experience would be a good term, but this kind of thing, right? Or the client, maybe it should be client experience. I don't even know. doesn't matter. But something on top of developer experience, right? Where you would say in the end, my developer experience doesn't matter at all if it does not enable something valuable up here because then just nobody will use whatever I'm building with it. <laughs> so what would be the point? So we, we talked about that already. That, that I think that is something where we don't spend enough time thinking about value and we spend too much time thinking about the mechanics. Another facet of that process, and you mentioned, you know, kind of doing some sort of design exercise. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about using DDD or event storming or whatever. And I noted that you weren't mentioning any specific methodologies that you use in kind of going through these things. Is that from having tried those and not having it work out and it gets to implementation talk? Or, you know, I, for one, like to see more business capability modeling because it focuses more energy on what is the meaning of this word to a customer, right? But are there kind of methodologies or patterns to getting this to happen, right? Because you are describing a bit of the black magic of API design that isn't developer experience or isn't these other things. So how do you approach that? You know, if you're advising folks, maybe in a smaller place who are getting together to have their workshop, what are the things that, you know, they would go walk through? We did play around with event storming a little bit, and mostly it has like historical reasons why we don't do that anymore. It's really nothing wrong with event storming. I like that. It's a good way to avoid like these technical things. It's a good way to focus on more of these, you know, what are the steps, what needs to get done so that I can actually build something of value. Uh, business capability modeling is nice as well. Personally, I, I don't spend enough time with any of those to have a really... Uh, solid opinion on, I, I really like this and I don't like this so much with DDD. Sometimes like my experience with DDD is that what I maybe don't like so much about DDD is that it doesn't really have a very well established, I would say, method of 
separating sort of the the interface thingy from the implementation aspect i think and that's that's fine because that's i mean ddd is basically meant to be for people who implement things right but but i think like separating that interface layer from the implementation layer that is what kind of the black magic of apis so to speak really is right being good at that and making sure that the value is exposed here and then you can implement, you have to implement it somehow, but that's different from that value layer there. And I think that like that, there's not really, let's say a, a culture of doing that in DDD because it, it just comes from a different space. But it's definitely also something I've seen where I thought, but at, at least in, in terms of what they're doing in general, I think it's, it's also one of the methodologies that I like a fair bit, yeah. Another concept I've seen quite a bit is this idea of maintaining sort of a, a grammar or like specific vocabulary of terms that should be used so that, you know, if I say, here, I'll pick on a recent one from my life. If I say itinerary, depending on the line of business and travel, you know what that means, uh, which as it turns out is almost irreconcilable. You know, have you seen this kind of use of, you know, having a library of words that you use across, across the organization and designs? Some organizations try that and have tried that for a long time, right? There has been like, I don't know, data dictionaries. And yeah. And there's, I think there's many, many, many terms for that, right? It's uh, sometimes reusable data models or whatever, whatever they call it. For a little while, it was my sport was asking every big organization where I came, asking them, have you tried to do, and that's kind of, I think that's kind of a, maybe four levels higher up. It's uh, enterprise information models, right? Like this mm-hmm. idea of like building this big model of everything we do. And, and then I asked, well, have you done that? And then, I don't know, maybe half of them said, yeah, yeah, we did that. And then my next question always was, well, did you ever finish? And, and I think nobody ever said yes, right? Because in particular, I think nowadays, with things changing more and more and at a much quicker pace, right? This idea of trying to build the model of what you do and what you are is almost by definition outdated once you're done and you can just start over. And then there's like little value to this at all in my mind in terms of trying to, um, well, make this helpful in any shape or form. Sometimes it always seemed to me it's like this is kind of a, you know, a little little bit of therapy to bring order into the chaos. So, so these very, very high level things, I think, just have kind of, they are just too heavy weight. There's almost like a, you could say, like an opposite direction of these kind of more building blocks kind of thing, you know, where we just, we use these kind of little building blocks. And, and maybe we'll see that with things such as JSON schema, you know, giving us little building blocks. But I, so far, I really, I've never, I have not seen a company that basically tried to have standardized schema-based building blocks or something like that. I don't know. Adam, have you, have you seen any? Probably haven't seen enough, <laughs> enough of the internals to, yeah. you know, a lot of what I see are once they're externalized. In that externalized world when things aren't consistent. So let's say that, every API has a different address model that probably poses problems in that world, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. So far, we've talked about sort of single APIs at a time, but of course, these are existing in organizations with hundreds and thousands of them. So what are some tools that they could use to get at that consistency? 
I don't know. And the question is, right, is there a address model that in particular, if you are a globally operating organization, right, is there a address model that will work for you regardless of where you are? I found it so fascinating. I think two or three years ago, I was in South Africa. Back then it was for CA. And just talking to the organizations there, you know, the, the problem. So one of the things they, they had is like, there, this whole thing, which maybe for us is completely natural that, yeah, sure, people have a delivery address where I can deliver stuff. And there, no, people don't. They just live in, in townships and they don't have addresses. So like the whole model of how you even do that is, well, what you do is you build these pickup locations and then people can go there and pick up their stuff and you need to find a way how they can do that safely. But it's like the whole model of how this thing even operates was completely different because this like this ingrained notion that we have of, you know, everybody has an address and all I need to do is figure out how zip codes work here and there. It's uh, nope, nope. The world is more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah, I've been down the road myself. <laughs> I've been there. I think that could be a tagline for API design in general is the world is more complicated than that. Whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever you're thinking about. That's a good point, yeah. yes. <laughs> Any one of the things that you mentioned across the course of this, we probably could have spent a whole episode on. As usual, when we start dipping into API design across organizations, it gets complicated, right? I guess any kind of closing thoughts for us on, you know, and I always like to think about listeners for the show, like, how do we get started in all this? This sounds big and complicated. You know, what's your best advice to someone just kind of getting started? What are the kind of the, the basic building blocks that are always true? I think one piece of advice I would give a lot of people who are kind of trying to work their way into that space or work their way up in that space would be to not focus on tech too much and really understand that in the end, APIs are just a communication mechanism. The hard problems are understanding who's communicating, why they are communicating, what they want to get done. And once you understood all of this, finding a technical solution for that is probably one of the easier things along the way. Like with a lot of companies, we, we very quickly always got to the conclusion that, oh yeah, it's, the world is more complicated than just tech stuff. And if we only had to discuss and solve tech problems, we would be fine. That would be great. So I think really trying to kind of look above the tech layer and really understanding what are the actual problems we're trying to solve. And we're trying to solve them with tech, but what are the problems and what is the best way to solve those problems? I think we need more people who do that. And I think when you're, if you're good at that, I think you move into a space where you create a lot of value where you have a really interesting job because you get to talk with a lot of people who just get stuff done and they're happy if you help them doing it. And I think you just also, you move the space forward by making sure that we don't obsess too much over tech. So what are the things that uh, you have going on in your life that you would point folks to uh, go check out and read up on or watch the video or whatever? Yeah, everybody subscribe to my YouTube channel, of course. <laughs> That's basically my, my therapy for not going to conferences anymore. So at least that's, you know, <laughs> a little bit of... That, that's getting APIs to work is the name, is that right? Yeah, getting APIs to work. But it's, it's my, like, the channel is Erik Wilde. It'll be easy to find. Cool. Yeah, and we'll have, we'll have a link in the description for sure. Yeah, thanks for that. 
So one of the fun things, right, with with the conferences in in Corona times is that I used to go to conferences a lot. And then initially, I think we all thought, well, conferences will go away. But what we see now, at least what I see is, no, there's more of them because now it's much easier to organize them. All you need to do is like set up some tool. So, yeah. But the good thing, I think, for people in the API space is that at least a good chunk of them are free. So it's much easier, I think, for people who just want to join them, often I would say selectively, right? But at least like figure out what's going on and, and listen to a couple of cool, cool talks. So I think that is definitely something where it used to be much more complicated to go to conferences. Now it's much simpler to do. And yeah, I spend a lot of time with that. Yeah, the last thing maybe that I want to pitch is that we talked a little bit about building blocks. So a couple of months ago, there was this new IETF working group that was started. It's called Building Blocks for HTTP APIs. So if you're in the kind of the API space and you're interested in possible building blocks that might show up, check out this working group. I think there's cool stuff going on. And that is something that I think will move the community forward. So that's a good thing, I think, for everybody to at least check out and maybe uh, contribute to it. This was definitely a, uh, a thing I hadn't heard of, and I'm definitely going to go check it out. I think uh recognize some other names in there. We got like Daryl Miller and Mark Nottingham and definitely some uh, influential people in the space. So definitely seems like a good thing to keep an eye out on. Well, Eric, with that. Thanks for joining us uh, from lovely Switzerland. By the way, I'm always jealous of your uh, beautiful landscapes that you share on the YouTube channel. Gosh, it just looks amazing. So go enjoy some more of that. I know it's the end of your day, the beginning of ours, but thanks for joining us. And uh, Adam, thanks for joining and helping out today. Yeah, yeah, good to see you both. Thanks for having me. And I'm looking forward to the next time. Yeah, that was fun. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to API Intersection. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, Look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question, and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.